We're going to actually be starting into, starting into a new series, a new journey this morning, uh, dealing with the topic of prayer. Um, prayer. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Sorry. Dealing with the uh, topic of prayer. Prayer, again, is one of those things that is so simple, yet uh, we've made so complicated, but prayer is so, so incredibly powerful. Sometimes we don't realize the authority and the power that we have access to through the Father because of Jesus and what he has done for us. Prayer is simply communicating with God. It's just talking to God. Most of our prayer lives look more like talking at God, right? If we're going to be honest with ourselves this morning. We, we tell God everything we want him to do and then we walk away. But really prayer, God wants to be communicating with us. God wants to respond he doesn't want to just be the person who does everything for you. He wants to sometimes strengthen you and equip you. Sometimes he wants to train your fingers for battle. And sometimes he just wants to be there with you and for you to encourage you through things. It is amazing. Just an incredible privilege. And honestly, it's, it's awe-inspiring to think that the God of all the universe who simply spoke and created everything that he wants to hear from us. It's amazing to think about that reality that God wants to hear our voices. He wants to hear what's on our hearts and on our minds. Now granted, he already knows it all, but there's something, something unique and special when we open up and share it with him willingly, right? It's just like all of us parents raising kids. You know when your child done gone and screwed up. You know, you knew what they did. But you handle it a little differently when they confess it. And they're open and willing to uh, be honest about it, right? You respond a little differently, don't you? And of course, we don't just go to the Lord for discipline. We go to the Lord for everything. But there is something unique. Whenever your kid asks you for something that you already planned on giving them, you know, but... But it's just, it's, it's awesome that, that we have that privilege to go to the Lord in prayer. He wants to also personally respond to us. He doesn't just personally hear every one of our prayers. He wants to personally respond to you. He wants you to hear his voice too. And just as communication is one of the foundations of our earthly relationships, right? Communication is a foundation of our earthly relationships. Um, not just talking at each other, but understanding each other. It's also a foundational basic to a healthy, life-transforming relationship with God. It's foundational to it. In fact, I'd go so far and be as bold as to say that a prayerless Christian is really no Christian at all. You can't have a relationship with God without communication, right? But our focus this morning, I thought it was going to be down the road, it's, it, it's something he had for us this morning, though. So there's a reason you're here this morning. Is how prayer brings about change. When we pray, things change. Things happen. As a result of prayer, sometimes it's our circumstances that miraculously change. Signs, wonders, miracles, right? We believe in them. We, we, we seek after them. We believe that God is the same yesterday, today, forever. They're still for today, Right? But he also, in response to our prayer, he might not just change our circumstances, he may change our perspectives and our attitudes toward things. 
He may redirect our future. He may correct our hearts. There's so many things that he might do. But when we pray, something changes. Something changes. And rightfully so, our emphasis when we pray is often for God to change us or our circumstances, right? That's what we ask for. That's what we pray for. You know, I want set free from this thing. I want healed. I need you to provide for this. You know, I need, I need, I need, I need. And God wants us to go to him in prayer for our needs. So don't hear me wrong this morning. But because we want to see God's will done in and through our lives. We pray as Jesus taught us to pray, right? That his kingdom would come, that his will would be done here on the earth, even as it is in heaven. We pray and believe for God's word to come to pass in our lives. And for every single one of our needs to be met by a promise of God. If you have a need, there's a promise out there to fulfill it. And we'll help you find it in the Word if you need to stand on it and go to the Word in that. Um, and we're going to go more into to those kind of things later on our journey. But something we may not often take time to consider or to think about is how our prayers affect God. That you have an impact on God, on who He is. We have an understanding of how our choices impact people around us, right? Anybody ever been hurt by a family member or friend? Been let down? Been discouraged? Yeah. All of us here this morning, if you've been alive for a day or two, right? <laughs> our choices affect those around us. We never really stop to think about how we affect God. How we actually have an impact on Him. It may come as a surprise to us to think about the reality that our lives would really affect God in any way um, at all, Right? We may think that our lives are small and insignificant in comparison to an infinite and, and eternal God. However, you can't flip to too many pages of the Bible without finding a historical account of how people affected God as he responded to them. We read accounts through not only how God intervened in, in our history, uh, working through the lives of individuals to bring about change here on the earth, but also how people made a change and an impact on God. It's not something we often think about. In fact, it keeps a lot of, um, a lot of this keeps a lot of theologians really debating day and night. So if, if you don't agree with some of the things I'm sharing this morning, talk to me about it. It's debatable. Um, because this is a truth. This is an absolute truth. God is unchanging, right? We all know the scriptures, right? Hebrews um, 13. Um, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place this morning digitally. But anyways, um, yeah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift from above comes down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. In fact, God made this simple declaration. I love how simple God is. Malachi 3, 6. You know what he said? I don't change. <laughs> said, I, the Lord, do not change. He doesn't change. Uh, in fact, we read in Numbers 23, 19, and in 1 Samuel 5, 29, the first situation was with Balaam, the second situation was Samuel. Two different guys, two different situations, but they made this same conclusion. They said, God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should ever change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? So bear with me this morning. We're going to be going through the word here. God does not change. However, I believe that this speaks more to his nature and his character. He is unchanging 
in his nature and in his character, who he is. God is unchanging, but a quick glance around his creation reveals, right, that the sun rises every morning and it sets every evening, right? But every single sunrise and sunset you look at is different, isn't it? Every single day you wake up to the same old things and yet brand new things. It all depends on your perspective. But God made it very clear, like, look up or look out in your yard. It's not the same as it was when you went to bed. He is the same and yet ever-changing. So before you throw stones at me and scream blasphemy and tear your robe, just bear with me, okay? Or That was an Old Testament thing, sorry. I'm glad we don't have any Sadducees in here. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 says that nothing's new under the sun, yet everything is still in a constant state of state of change. In fact, I go to the great um, theologian, Disney Princess Pocahontas. She, she, said, she said you can't step in the same river twice because the water's always changing, always flowing. And isn't that just a, a, an awesome reality? You can't step in the same river twice because it's always changing constantly. It's different. God is constant and yet every day is something brand new. The way that God brought about the military victories. Let's go back to the word itself. For the, his people in the Old Testament, they all had very different, very unexpected battle plans, didn't they? Can you imagine if you know, we trained up our soldiers to go over into Afghanistan and just break some clay pots and scream? You know, you know what would probably happen if they did that? The snipers would be like, oh, there you are. Gone, you know. <laughs> go dig some holes, you know, and... In the morning, everyone looks out and we're like, whoa, look at that bloodbath, you know. Every battle was won differently. It was very unique. Look at the healings of Jesus. He very rarely healed somebody the same way twice. Except maybe when it comes to demonic possession. You know what he did then? He said, get out of there. And they left, you know. Very different every single time. But he is our deliverer. He is our healer. He is our provider. He does not change, but the way he acts almost always changes, almost always. When we pray, when we communicate with God, it is not only us who are as affected, but also God is affected as he, he answers us and as he hears us. And we're going to read through this, you know, this is one of the clearest examples that I could find. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 through 6. Uh, here we find this awesome guy by the name of Hezekiah. Most of you are familiar with this testimony, but I'm going to read through it real quickly. Hezekiah became ill. He was ill to the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him. And man, don't you love it when prophets bring encouraging words to build you up and strengthen you in your faith? He came and he said, this is what the Lord says. Get your house in order. You're going to die. You will not recover from this. That's what the Lord said. You, you can read it. 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. He, he made it pretty simple. Get your house in order. Because you're going to die, you will not recover. You won't do it. God said Hezekiah's put his house in order. He's going to die. He's not going to recover. And God doesn't lie, right? God doesn't speak and then not act. God doesn't change his mind. We just read those things, right? We just read those things. And so in verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, remember how I have walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion. I have done what is right and good in your eyes. And he started to weep bitterly. 
God doesn't lie, right? He's not a liar. He doesn't speak and not act. He doesn't change his mind ever. It's not his nature. That's not his character. God is a God of integrity. However, when we pray, we affect God. God's not a liar, but God is compassionate. God is not a liar, but he is merciful and gracious. God is not a liar, but he is abounding in love and faithfulness. When we pray, God hears. In fact, it says in verse 4, Before Isaiah had even left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him again. In verse 5, go back. Tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, now says. I've heard your prayer, and I've seen your tears. I will heal you. But God said you're not going to recover from this. He said you're going to die. And now God says, I'm going to heal you. When we pray, we affect God. When we appeal to his constant, unchanging nature, he is a healer. He is a restorer. He is a blesser. When we cry out to those constant attributes of God, God may just change his mind. He just did here, right? In fact, God went on to say this. On the third day from now, you're going to go up to the temple of the Lord. You're going back to church. I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this entire city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Hezekiah's probably thinking, okay, I'll take it. Thank you, Lord. We should defend it for my sake, but for your name's sake, for David's sake, hey, you know, we'll take 15 years, right? We'll take healing from sickness. You see, we have a tendency to build up black and white walls of doctrines and absolutes. Granted, the Bible is full of many black and white absolutes that we should build our doctrine on. However, when we do that, as we just learned on Wednesday, I swear I didn't steal this, we've got to use the whole counsel of the Word of God, right? You can't take one verse and build an entire doctrine on it. That is sinking sand, and you're probably wrong. <laughs> You've got to take it in the context of the entire Bible, and we just learned how to do that. So if you're wondering, ask Daryl, he'll teach you how to do that. <laughs> but we can very easily build a doctrine because we say it all the time. God will never, ever, ever change, right? Right, to a degree. But there are some things that God will change on. He will change his mind on. Interesting. We can find way too many examples all throughout God's word to find where God decided to do something. He made the announcement. He's like, I'm going to do this. And then the people prayed. People repented. People changed. And God said, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to destroy you. I'm going to bless you. We can find way too many examples throughout the word of God where God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into this. And, and then they done and gone the wrong direction. And God's like, that's not for you anymore. Nope, this is for someone else now. Whew. God's character and nature do not change. But because his nature and character do not change, his mind and his plans, they do change. In fact, he even said this about himself in Jeremiah chapter um, 18, verse 7 through 10. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom will be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if, see that big little word, if, 
if, if, if, if. You always hear this scripture, right, from First Chronicles about any nation, right? If my people would what? Humble themselves, pray, crawl out, yeah. What will God do? He will hear. He will heal. If, 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 if we make an effect on God, we have an impact on God. He said that, okay, if that nation that I've warned repents of evil... I'll relent. I won't inflict on it the disaster I'd planned. And if at another time I announced that a nation or kingdom was going to be built up and planted, if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I'll reconsider the good that I intended to do for it. And I'm telling you, this is one of the, the, the there, to everything in life, there's a pro and a con. There's a strength and a weakness. This is sort of the, the, the nature of God, the nature of his word, the nature of prophecy. Just because God said it doesn't mean it's going to automatically, naturally happen. You can do all kinds of things to walk away from the will of God and the plans and purposes of God. He gave you free will to choose blessing or curse, life or death. And he will not take that away from you. Trust me, I begged him to and he won't do it. <laughs> I begged him to, he just will not take away our free will. But, this is so cool, when we pray, when we pray, God hears our prayer and it affects him. In fact, after the exodus from Egypt, God met with Moses, and Moses, and God said this, in Exodus chapter 32, yeah, I have it up here, okay, good. Lord said, I've seen these people. They're a stiff-necked people. Leave me alone, so that I may burn in anger against them and destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. What if God told you that? Those people, they stink. Let me burning my anger against them god gets angry at people okay it ain't a sin to be angry it's a sin to sin in your anger right god said you know what i'm going to destroy all them but you i'm going to bless you i'm going to turn you into a great nation what a test of the heart and integrity right moses it says in verse 11 he sought the favor of god lord he said why should your anger burn against your people you brought them out of Egypt with power and a mighty hand. If you do, the Egyptians will say, it is with evil intent that God brought them out, just to kill them in the mountains, to wipe them off the face of the earth. You see, Moses' concern was for the reputation of his God. Because he's like, God, that isn't you. He's appealing to his constant, unchanging nature and what people would say about the Lord. Isn't that how David defeated Goliath? It wasn't because David was anything or Goliath was anything. David said, what are you saying about my Lord? You better watch yourself, boy. And I'll tell you what, he lost his head in a few verses, didn't he? Mm. We need to get fierce. Fierce about defending the name of our Lord, right? Watch what you say about my God. And f instead, Moses was so bold. <laughs> Nate, do you like to talk to me when I'm angry with you? Are, are, are you encouraged to come up and boldly tell me something? No. God is burning with anger. And he just told Moses, get out of here so I can burn. Moses goes into the presence of God. And he says, turn away from your fierce anger. Relent. Whew. That is bold. Do you know why Moses could be that bold? Because he knew his God. He met with him face to face and he knew who he was. That's why he could be so bold. 
He was said in verse 13, remember, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, Israel. You swore by your own self. You made a covenant with them. You said, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I give you descendants. All this land that I promised them, it will all be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people disaster he had threatened. You see, we see this consistency in God's nature, in his character, that causes him to change his response. He even did it in Jesus' ministry. Uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Of course we're going to find it in Jesus, because Jesus said, when you saw me, who did you see? The Father. Son, Father, Spirit, they're all one. Those unchanging character, nature, attributes are the same throughout all three persons of God. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter, she's demon-possessed. Any, any of you moms ever cry out to God that way? <laughs> Marie's back there like, Jason, mm, yeah, sorry. I had to pick on you, you can't hide here. We're too small of a church still to hide. Anyways, <laughs> I thought about it with my kids sometimes. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, it's, this ain't right. So she cried out, my daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering terribly. Jesus didn't answer her. He ignored her. His disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. She didn't get a response from Jesus, so she went to his disciples. And she kept pestering them and crying out to them. And so finally he went and he answered her. Man, this, this seems so unchristlike, Jesus, but it's Jesus saying it, so it's not unchristlike. He said, You know what? I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. She's a Canaanite woman. She's not Jewish, she's a Gentile. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It's not right. This isn't right. I'm not going to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. I get to pick on Nate because he said, you're really sitting up front is a bad idea. What would happen if I took your brownie and I threw it to Chewy or Eva? It ain't right, is it? Yeah, it ain't right. But this woman was so bold. She said, yes, it is. Because even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from that table. Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Didn't condemn her, didn't criticize her, didn't say, shut up, enough is enough, get out of here. He said, you have great faith, and your request is granted. And at that very moment, her daughter was healed. Healed. You see, in our human fallen nature, in our stinking thinking, we believe that to argue with God is prideful arrogance. That it's downright wrong. However, when you get to know the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, of Mary, of whoever, of, of Nikki, of Marie, of Daryl. Um, when you get to know that God, you get to know that you can appeal to him based on his word and his unchanging character. And he may just change his mind. He may just act on your behalf. This is not a manipulative attempt to bend the will of God, to make it our own. 
If you go to God with a manipulative, prideful, arrogant heart, yeah, you're not going to get what you ask for. But when you go to the Lord the way this woman went to Jesus, of I am in desperation and you are the only one who can do anything about this. When you go in desperation and in need, humbly before him, she got down on her knees before the Lord. You don't see these altars filled up very much, but this is an easy place to get down on your knees. You, you got this cool, cool little place that not only can you get down on your knees, but it's at just the right height. No matter how tall or short you are, that your, your, your elbows can rest here. And, you know, it's comfy. It's a comfy place to meet with the Lord. That's, that's why we built up there, believe it or not. But when she humbled herself, got on her knees, went before Jesus, he healed her daughter. Even though it's against the Father's will. Mind blown. Jesus wasn't lying. He was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He was not sent to the Gentiles. Salvation had not come for them yet. The Israelites were getting one more chance, right? I sent my servant, I sent my servant, I sent my servant. Finally, I sent my son. You guys all know the parable I'm talking about? And what are they going to do to him? Well, they're going to slaughter him too. But anyways, this was against the will of his father, and yet he did it. And did his father? No, he didn't. Did you see this? Over and over and over again. You shall do nothing on the Sabbath. But what did Jesus go and do? He went and healed on the Sabbath. The showbread, that's for the priest alone. You can't eat it. But David ate it, and so we're going to break the wheat and eat it too. When you know who God is, when you have a relationship with him, you know what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, right? It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's not a bunch of black and white do's and don'ts. It is about the heart of the Father toward your, you, his children. There's so many examples of how God responded favorably to this kind of faith-filled plea in prayer. So many times that you can't build a doctrine saying that God will never change his mind. Even though I got the scripture to back it up, right? He will change his mind. He will change his mind. Ultimately, we trust in God to judge rightly. To respond in the best way. Even if we don't understand and don't agree with it. We can and should boldly approach God in persistent passionate prayer in agreement with his nature and character but ultimately none of us have a choice but to submit to his will and here's an example of that first samuel chapter 15 verse 10 to 26 the word of the lord came to samuel this is what god said i regret that i have made saul king and i'm telling you that's a theological debate right there the god who regrets he regretted making mankind. That's why he sent the flood with Noah. He regretted making Saul king. Why did he regret it? Because Saul turned away from God. Saul has not carried out my instructions. So Samuel was angry. He cried out all night to the Lord. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and he went to meet Saul. And he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. Carmel. Carmel, how do you pronounce it? Carmel, caramel. There's no A in the middle, Carmel in this case. Sorry. In any case, there he set up a monument in his great honor. Then he has turned and gone down to Gilgal. He's going around making statues to himself. Hmm, don't miss that. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. What did God say? Saul said, no, he didn't. Right? Not Saul said. The Lord said Saul didn't do it. 
Saul said, yeah, I did. I carried out the Lord's instructions. Samuel said, then what is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle I hear? Because what did God tell Saul to do? Go kill them all. Let nothing live. Man, women, children, beasts of the field, birds of the air, whatever. I, I can't remember it all, but basically everything. You got to destroy them all, right? It's, it's like the, the Star Wars theme, you know. The children, too. That's what God told Saul to do. Well, if Saul went and killed everything, then why do I hear, meh, meh? Because dead sheep, they don't do that. Last time I slaughtered a sheep myself, it, it didn't do that afterwards, did it? No. And so, I'm sorry, this, Saul answered, but, 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 but the soldiers, the soldiers, they brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and little, but they did it to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we, we totally destroyed the rest. See, here comes the boss. He put the soldiers right under it. When people get busted, it's, nothing's new under the sun. People respond the same way when they get busted now as they did then, right? Samuel said, enough. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And Saul said, tell me. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, you became the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And I sent you on a mission. I said, go completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you completely wipe them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder? And do evil in the eyes of the Lord. So said, I, I did obey the Lord. I did what he asked me to. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me to. I completely destroyed, completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. You see what he just did there? He just contradicted himself. I did. I destroyed everybody, but I brought back Agag alive. But, okay, now you're double talking here. Any parents ever catch your children, children double talking? Yeah. It's like, but I thought you just said that. Anyways, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder of the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Samuel replied, the Lord doesn't delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. The Lord delights in obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams, right? It's better to just do what's right than to ask forgiveness. That's essentially what he's saying here. Do what's right. It's better than asking forgiveness for doing wrong. For rebellion, it's a sin of divination. Arrogance is the evil of idolatry. Because you rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Those are, if those words don't give you chills, the fact that God would anoint somebody and then reject them. Don't think too highly of yourself, even if you've got a great anointing of the Lord on your life. The Saul, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. <laughs> no duh, <laughs> right? He said, I violated the Lord's command. I violated your instructions. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin. Come back with me. I want to worship the Lord. Samuel said, I will not go back with you. You rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you as king forever over Israel. Samuel then went. He cried out to him day and night. God never changed his mind about this one. But we know the heart and the nature and the character of God, don't we? 
I would like to go out on a limb and say that if Saul would have genuinely, authentically repented, instead of excusing, 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 and then finally he got backed into a corner and um, his sin was revealed, if he just would have been like, yes, Lord, I didn't do everything you asked me to. This is what I did. I firmly believe he would have forgiven him and given him another chance. But instead, he just kept excusing it away, excusing it away, excusing it away. And finally, he's like, God's like, enough. You're done. God didn't reject Saul. Saul rejected God. God honored his choice. That's how I see it. Saul rejected God. God just honored it and backed away. God will honor your choices in life. God will also answer your prayers. So as we continue learning about prayer in the upcoming weeks and the transforming power that it possesses, we've got to put it into practice, right? Prayer changes things. We learned this morning that prayer affects God. Prayer can change God. The unchanging God can be changed. He can change his mind. When we appeal to his unchanging nature and character. And so let's just close with prayer. God, we thank you that you are unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Because this world just keeps changing on us. God, we desperately need you. To intervene in our lives. We want to hear your voice. We want to know your will. We want to see it accomplished. We don't want to miss out on anything you've got for us. So Lord, help us to be bold and courageous like Moses, like Samuel, like David, like Mary. That we come boldly before your throne. With the confidence that you will do what you said. God, you are our healer, our savior, our deliverer, our provider, our restorer, our rewarder, our everything. Lord, forgive us of all of our sin. And release your kingdom in and through our lives. So when people see us, they see you. We want to be a people of obedience, not a people of excuses and forgiveness. We want to be a people who passionately pursue you at every turn. And we just thank you for picking us up, dusting us off, and putting us right back on the right track in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Be blessed.